Praise the Lord, everyone. I will uh, I'll say on behalf of my wife that she's sorry she doesn't get to stick around much longer. She's got to move on for her commitments there at the service in Union Gap today. And then uh, shortly myself will have to do the same. But it's a privilege to be here with you today. Um, thank you, Elder Hart, for letting us join you today. We love you all. You are dear to us, very much so. Amen. Is it all right if I move down there? I'm feeling too tall up here. Amen. Why don't we pray before we move on? Lord, we thank you for your presence that we feel here today. Jesus, we're thankful to you for your anointing, God, that we feel in this house we're thankful, Jesus, for the gift of your spirit that you've given to us. Lord, we're thankful for all that you are doing, Lord, in our midst, Lord, and through your people. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and glory today, Jesus. We pray that you would have your way today, Lord Jesus. God, let your spirit have its way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Speak to us from your word, we pray, O oh God, that we would hear you and know you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to start in the book of Matthew, chapter 5 and verse 6. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Let me say also, it's great to have a few co-workers with me today. Brother Jerry, Sister Annie, I get to see you every now and then over at the courthouse, and I'm glad to see you here today. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. It says, Blessed are they which... Do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, let me ask you this question. Um, and don't answer it in the natural. Try to answer it in the spiritual. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? And are you thirsty? Um we're past breakfast, and we're not to lunch yet, so if you're hungry in the natural, that's on you. No, I'm just joking. But, you know, we can, get, we can get so much in our lives that it replaces or it could replace what should be a hunger for the Lord. If, if you're not careful, you'll get uh, work commitments, family commitments, and church commitments that could replace a hunger for the Lord. Um, I grew up in a, in a church where we were very active uh, from an early age in the few different churches that I went to when I was a child. And uh, I'm thankful for my upbringing. I'm thankful for my parents, my brother, and the ministers that I had in my life in those, in those times, but I, I, I learned what it's like to have your schedule full of church events and, and learning that if you're not careful, that can replace your desire for the Lord. It's it's possible. I'm not I'm not trying to judge anybody and I'm not even speaking ill about my own upbringing. I'm just saying I know what it's like to have something every day of the week planned. And you think, well, Mondays are, are this and Tuesdays are this and Wednesdays and you you get your week, your weekly schedule filled. And if you're not careful, you can say, well, I must be a good Christian because I give all my time to the Lord. I must be a good father because I'm trying to support my children. I must be a good 
wife or mother because I because my time is full. So so look at my schedule and you'll get a good sense of what kind of person I am. And schedules are are dangerous or they can be in the sense when you are replacing desire with doing. If we stop and think what what am I doing? Well, I'm doing all this stuff. But then if you think, why am I doing it? Well, it's because I, it's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be at church. I'm, su- I'm supposed to get up early to pray. I'm supposed to read my Bible. I'm supposed to witness and, and text people, Brother Martin, when they're not at church. I'm supposed to do all those things. And so I, I'm fulfilling my obligation of what I am supposed to do and what's expected of me. I'd like to pause and ask, uh, where are those expectations coming from? If you're doing what you think you're expected to do because you think somebody else is going to think more highly of you because of that, well, you're getting into dangerous territory of religion and all that goes with that. So, as the scripture says, what you're hungry and thirsty for is important. So, it says, if you're hungry for righteousness, and you're thirsty for righteousness, not hungry for the next church service, not thirsty for the next time I get to fellowship with the body, those things are great and they're in order. But sometimes we have to step back and say, what is my true hunger? What is the thing or who is the one that I want? If you can turn to Psalms chapter 94, verse 19. Psalm 94 and 19. King James Version, it says, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. And that's written by King David, as we know. He wrote the book of Psalms. And the King James Version of that sounds very um, commendable, in a sense, if I can put it that way. Man, this sounds like a guy that is just so close with the Lord that he's learned to live in that place where they're just simpatico. Let me read this verse in a few more translations if I can. When I am filled with cares, your comfort brings me joy. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. David had a a good reason, I guess I could say it many times, to live in an anxious state. If you know the story of how he basically had Saul on his trail from the time he was a young adult throughout many years. And on his trail, with the intention, if he ever got his hands on him, to kill him. There is a person out there. Just think about that for a moment. There's a person out there, not just a person. He happens to be the king who actually wants me to die. He wants to put me to death. So David spends his time running and hiding in caves and in other nations, other countries. He would go and... And spend time over here for a while and spend time over here for a while until his whereabouts are are known and shared. And then it's time to pick up and go over here. And so he knows a little bit about anxieties and and worries. Because I can't even stay here long. I know that we usually think of David as just the the psalmist and the giant killer 
and then the king. Uh, but he had that whole phase of life where he wasn't king yet. He knew the calling of God to be king, and he had killed Goliath, but it wasn't like, let's uh, parade him straight to the palace and put him on the throne since he did that. No, it was, let's pur- we parade him straight to the palace, and the king is like, who does this guy think he is? Is he really after my throne? Does he really? And so circumstances that really were beyond David's control caused him to have a, a, a season of life filled with running, filled with hiding. And so when he says, my thoughts, oh, my thoughts just delight in the Lord. No, my thoughts are, where am I going to go today? Is this going to be my last day if I'm not careful? And so he's living with that, that sense or that state uh, uh, of worry, but he knew how to handle it correctly because he said, everywhere that I go, the Lord is with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with me. I'm not fearing evil. I'm not worried about the evil one overtaking me because the Lord is with me. He's my shepherd. He's the one that guides me. Another translation of that verse says, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Now, I I, got to just point out, because it's not like he goes from anxiety to a little less anxiety. Or he doesn't really even go from anxiety to uh, ground zero level, level-headed balance. He goes from there to joy, to hope and cheer, as it says here. These are characteristics that mark the way David lived. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't get to spend a lot of time with most of you, so, so don't feel like I'm picking on anybody. But just as a human nature, a lot of times we want to walk around and oh, just kind of slunk your shoulders a little bit and I'm not having a great day. Thank the Lord he's still good and he's my shepherd, but I'm the sheep that's limping. <laughs> and and uh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. Can't you tell how happy I am to be here? No, David says he fills me with hope and with cheer. And living with hope, with cheer, with joy that comes from the Lord is the place that God wants us to live. He wants us to be filled with joy. Amen? Psalm chapter 119, verse 92. This same gentleman, David, wrote this passage here. Psalm 119, 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Another translation says, if your instruction had not been my light, I would have died in my affliction. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished. I would have died in misery. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy. This word, delight, I feel like the Lord is just continues to play this over in my spirit today. That's why I started in, in, in Matthew 5. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Notice, not blessed is the person that sits next to the person whose hunger and thirst is righteousness. 
It doesn't say blessed are you if you live in the house with other people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed is the man. And his delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, just, I, I'm trying to get this sense of going from knowing. Uh, okay, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a term here. I, I, I don't want you to, to, th- to take it negatively. But law, a term that can be used in the place of it sometimes is rules. Or instruction, as what the, the other version there said. You've got to go from a place of knowing the rules to loving the rules. Your delight is in the rules. Not like, oh, I'm just such a good rule follower. I, I, I've, got, I've got one one of my children they just want to be told what to do. It's amazing. I've got four that are not that way, so I know it's not natural to everybody. But one, when we get home, can I? Oh, thank you for asking. That really makes me want to do it for you. Is there enough time for me to? Uh, what is that? It's a, it's a desire to live within the guidelines, to live within the boundaries. All the other kids are like, why? Why can't I? I, I'm, I got a question. I know the answer is going to be no. I'm just going to ask it because I just got to hear the no, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's how the other kids are. But this, this one they they feel comfort within the guidelines. You know what else I would say they feel? They feel loved within the guidelines. If I do what my parents tell me to do, they are going to love me. And it's a desire, it's a it's a desire to be in that zone. And now, there are times when, I'm not just saying it's it's always this way, because the moment one rule bumps up against what they wish they could do, you hear it from them too. But I'm saying there's an attitude that says, teach me thy ways, O Lord. I want to know right from wrong. I want to know what pleases you. I want to know what things I do that are pleasing to you, and I want to know what things I do that are not pleasing to you. And in such, my delight becomes pleasing you. Not so we can walk around with the the rule book and, oh, man, you didn't follow it. Oh, man, you didn't follow it. I love to hit people over the head with the rule book. No, it's, I, it, it takes me, Lord, to a place of relationship with you that I could not have otherwise. And when I know I am living and walking in your statutes, according to your will, according to your ways, then we get to have a union that we would not have otherwise. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Again, David's writing from his own personal experiences, and he knows my life could go one of two directions. And if I had not chosen to seek the Lord, I would be perishing over here in all of this trouble. The Lord saves us. Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. 
Let me remind you again, Matthew 5 and 6, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And here in this passage in Revelation 3, uh, the previous verses, it talks about the church of Laodicea. And it says, write this message to them because they are not hot or cold, but because they're lukewarm. I'm going to spew them out of my mouth. They are not my beloved because they don't choose the place of delighting in me. And then it says this about them. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I, I felt the Lord kind of check me when I read this verse. Because I don't know how many of us would raise our hand and, and say, I am rich. You know, just right off the cuff. I don't think a lot of us say that. But I wonder how many people say, I'm good. No thanks. I'm good. I don't have need of anything. Well, you're saying that because you are maybe not necessarily rich in earthly terms of got a lot of money in the bank or a lot of wealth accumulated. But it says, you increased with goods and have need of nothing. So that means you have chosen, you have decided that you can live off of your own means. And you don't need anything else or anyone else. I don't have the time or I don't have the statistics in front of me, but you know, living in, in the United States of America, even where gas prices are through the roof, we're still among the most wealthy of the whole world, right? So this is about perspective. This is about where I view myself. So I, I, I really don't have the, I, I could, if I'm not careful, I could get to the place where I say, I've got employment, I've got transportation, I've got food and shelter, so I'm good. I don't need anything else. This is what the Lord is saying I, about this church. I recognize this attitude in you, this mindset in you that says you've got everything you need taken care of. The problem with that is now there's no room for me. What do you mean by that? Because I want to take care of you. I want to be your sustainer. I want to be your provider. It's a part of my nature. It's a part of who I I even want to bless you with more. But I cannot if your attitude is, I'm good. I don't need anything else. So this is what he says, actually. You say you're rich, increased with goods, and need, need nothing, and knowest not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, Blind, naked, you think you're fully good, you're covered, you're, you've got everything you need, but the way I look at you, I see miserable. I see lacking, missing things. Because I have something to give you that would it replace all of what you think you need and all of what you have that you're putting your trust in. So next verse, he says here, I counsel thee. Wow. That's, there we go. Amen. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. I, I see that you are wretched, poor, miserable. So I've got instruction for you. Buy what I have to offer you. Gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. Now, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to the Lord if, if he went to people and said, Oh, you look like a good-paying customer. I've got this for you. 
What do you have to give me? Oh, wait, I just said you're poor. You can't buy this. Sorry, I must have knocked on the wrong door. No, he's saying, you who are poor, you who do not have, buy of me the thing that I want you to have. That you may be rich. Oh, man. This sounds like a scheme if I've ever heard one. A get rich thing? Like, the Lord's going to make me know what I'm going to provide for you will make you rich according to my view to give you the things that you need. That thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of, okay, uh, I'm trying to hurry. White raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. Now, he, so he, if he says in the previous verse, you don't know that you're naked. So that, that means they think they're wearing something. They think they are covered well enough. But he says, nope, buy of me white raiment that you may be clothed. The signal there, what it signifies is purity. Buy from me purity and clothe yourself in that. Because if the thing that's clothing you is not purity, you're not clothed. I'm not going to get into any more trouble than that. I don't think. But the Lord... one, one very quick story. This is going to make me sound rude, but I was a teenager, so I hope you forgive, forgive me. I had a best friend one time. He, went, uh, he traveled a lot, and he came over to my house. He had just, I think, finished a, a trip to Canada with his, par- with his family. And, uh, man, <laughs> he thought he looked good in the things that he bought on his trip. And he was proud of what he was wearing. I don't remember the name of the store. If I thought about it long, I probably could. He's like, no, they don't have these up. They have these up there. They don't have them here in the United States, these stores. He's like, we weren't texting back then, but I, whatever he told me, he, he let me know I bought some stuff and I like it. Well, he shows up at my house to hang out, dressed head to toe in many different shades of brown. And I do literally mean head to toe, hat, coat, shirt, pants, shoes. And he's beaming. This is my Canadian outfitter. I don't know. He's just proud of it. Lord, forgive me. I looked at him. I said, you look like you work for UPS. (laughs) That was rude of me. I shouldn't have said that. But in that, in that example, I get the visual, Lord, I'm proud of myself and what I look like. I bought this of my own means. I've covered myself this way, and I think I look good. And the Lord is saying, you're not wearing what I want you to wear. Buy of me white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I, am, uh, I feel the Lord is telling us today, I have things for you. I have many things for you. But my question is, Do you hunger for it? Do you really want what the Lord has for you? Or am I satisfied to just live a full life schedule, busy, trying to do things that I think are right? Every eye closed, I'd like us to pray. Lord Jesus, I believe, Lord God, in the truth of your word. 
Jesus, I believe God in the direction of your spirit for my life. I know, God, that you have great things in store for me. I know that you have great things in store for me, Father. Things that you would desire to share with me. Things, places, God, in the spirit that you want to take me, Lord. I want to be able to visit them. I want to be able to live there. God, I've seen a glimpse of your glory. I want it in my life every day, Father. I want it in my life. I want it to shine through my life, God. Teach me your ways, O oh God. Teach me your ways, Lord Jesus. Give me your instruction, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. I hunger and thirst after you, Lord. My soul thirsts after you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to delight myself in you. I want to delight myself in your word, in your ways, Lord Jesus, in your truth, O oh God. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to open this altar to you today. The Spirit of the Lord is, is, is dealing with hearts today. You, you know that verse, hunger and thirst after. What are you hungering for? What you hunger for, you pursue. You ever decide, man, I, I would really, really like a milkshake? There's certain things, when I hunger for them, I'll go out of my way to get them. And the blessing comes when you hunger. Righteousness is right relationship with God. And I think sometimes in our relationship with God, we go, well, no, I think we're good. Like Elder Flowers said, I think we're good. As you know, my wife and I have been married 30 years. I think we're good. But, you know, it can take, sometimes I can just, I know you'll find this hard to believe, but sometimes I can say one small little thing the wrong way, and I realize quickly we're not good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All the men said amen. Now, she remains my wife. We remain in relationship, but I recognize my action did something that affected this relationship. Does that make sense? Not saying I, I broke the agreement of our marriage covenant, you understand. But I, some action, some words, something negatively impacted our relationship. It's not going to be the end of our relationship. But if I leave it undone, you with me? If I leave that undone in our relationship, if I'm not careful, sometimes, especially as a man, I'll be like, well, in time, it'll be okay. In time, it'll work itself out. She'll get over it. But I'm learning. Right, let's go. Let's talk about this. Let's address it. I don't want to leave something there that could, over time, again and again, become a place of hurt or wound. Or, and so I have to have a right relationship. So they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, right relationship. And I think sometimes in our walk with God, right? He's our first husband. Sometime in our walk with God, we just let little things, well, you know, I, I, he just knows me. He loves me like I am. And so I don't continue seeking to hunger and thirst after righteousness, right relationship with him. I feel the beckoning of the Spirit through the Word of God today. To say you want to check a couple of lists and say I'm good. But the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I'd like to deal with any and every area of your heart that brings you into a place of agreement with my Word because I love you. And I desire to operate through your life fully and completely. But you can't just leave little things in our relationship and assume I'm going to get over it if it violates my Word. 
I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to feel you. This is the love of God desiring to do something. I want to feel you as other flowers share. I want to clothe you. I want, I want to make you truly rich with the things and the blessing of God. Would you talk with Him? Would you let Him minister in your heart? Would you let the hunger and thirst of your life reach to Him in the name of Jesus?
I'm remembering one of my kids one time as we were sitting at the dinner table and uh, we were coming to the end of the meal and uh, they hadn't quite finished everything on their plate. They'd done a pretty good job. but And they said, and I am full. Anybody ever said that? They said, I am full. And I said, and I knew my wife had made some dessert. I said, you're full, huh? Yeah, I'm stuffed. Oh, yeah, okay. I said, well, I, I guess you don't have any room for that dessert mom made. Then they said, well, I'm full of that taste. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. I'm full of that taste. Sometimes in our walk with God, If we're not careful, the world appeals to our tastes. It appeals to, the Bible said, James said, let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. For God tempteth no man. But each man or woman is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts. I'm not trying to change Scripture, but based in the context of what we're talking about, each man is tempted or woman is tempted when he's drawn away of his own hunger, that which he or she desires, and enticed I want to be hungry for the things of God. I want to be hungry for the things of God. I want to be clothed with the spirit, the purity of God, the spirit of God. I want my mind to be girded up with truth. I want my spirit to be girded with truth. You understand? I hunger for these things. What are you hungry for? I, <laughs> my kids, it's funny. One time we were eating, and one of them said they were full. They, they got all the stuff. We have a lot of conversations around our dinner table. We had a meal together every day when they were all home. And so we would have most of our, com that dinner table would, one time, they're like, I'm full. Well, we knew we had cake or pie or something. And the kids said, I got like about this much room left. I think sometimes, if I'm not careful, I can come to the Lord, whether in a place of prayer, whether on a Sunday morning or a Thursday evening, and I can come and say, Lord, I got about this much room tonight, today, this morning. If you'll just fill that place right there, that's all I need right now, God. Does that make sense? And that happens to all of us because we're human. I'm not, right? The Lord's not beating us up. He's just talking to us about our hunger for the things of God. I hear the psalmist saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
taste and see that the Lord is good. I know you're getting hungry now, naturally. But he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. My grandfather would come home from work and he'd always leave a Twinkie in his lunchbox. So that when he came home and I ran out, he could give it to me. My grandmother, if she caught him before I got it opened and ate it, she would say, don't you eat that. You know why she would say don't eat it? Huh? It'll spoil your dinner. That's right. No, the dinner will be, or the dinner's going to be good or not. Is, uh, right? Then I know. You'll write it. It'll ruin your appetite. You'll feel your, you're hungry. But you're going to fill that hunger with junk. If you eat that Twinkie. And when you should be sitting at the dinner table and eating what's been prepared and good for you. You're no longer hungry. Because you've been eating junk. I know right where the Holy, you feel the Holy Ghost, don't you? I don't know why. Yeah, they ministered today, but I didn't get much out of it. I, I'll tell you why. You've been eating junk. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Stop eating junk. Somebody, I don't know who that's for. Stop eating junk. Don't just try to fill yourself with anything and everything. Go on a spiritual diet. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Lord's taking us somewhere. He's taking us somewhere. Last thing. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you don't receive the blessing of hunger and you pursue satisfying your hunger another way, then you will be cursed with hunger. I'll explain that in case you're going, how do you know that? I'll tell you how I know that. The prodigal son had everything available to him in the father's house. But he said, give me what's mine. And he went out, the Bible says, and he wasted his substance with how he lived, with riotous living. And it said, then there was, watch, a famine, no food to be had. And he hungered. That wasn't the blessing of hunger. He was cursed with hunger because of the choices he made. And he got so desperate that he started eating junk. He ate the stuff the pigs were eating. You find somebody wallowing in sin. It's like, how did they end up there? It didn't happen overnight. They started eating things and, and taking in things, satisfying their own desires. And before they knew it, they found themselves figuratively in a pig pen, eating the stuff pigs eat, going... What in the world am I doing in this place? The Bible says when he came to his right mind, he said, why am I here? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my father's house. He got a remembrance of there's something worth eating back there. And he'll give me bread. I'll just be a servant. Even the servants eat better than I'm eating out here. There's bread in the Father's house. There's bread in the Father's house. But you can't eat bread in the Father's house and then go out and eat the stuff in the pig pen and say, I'm growing spiritually. No, you're not. You're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, I thank you today for your word. 
I thank you for this precious people with a heart to hear and receive of the word. I receive it, Lord. It's convicted my heart today. It's causing me to examine myself in relationship with you, Lord. It's causing me to examine myself in relationship with you. I know that you love me. And I feel the love of God reaching to me because you desire to draw me, each one of us, into deeper relationship with you. I pray a fresh baptism of hunger for the things of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Greet someone today. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.